This is Will Seven from Crazy Swedes, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Chris asked an unauthorized question, and she'll be punished upside the head and neck area. Hello. Bruce? Good. How are you? Good. You don't sound Swedish at I all. I am not. <laughs> Where are you from? This is like every every year that I've done. Basically, it's like we always start with this question. So, is anybody actually? Are you guys Swedish? What's going on? Uh, the name actually came from a line in John Carpenter's The Thing from '81, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, Kurt Russell's character McCready says, uh, "You really want to save those crazy Swedes?" Even though the Norwegian, he says crazy sweet. So we just thought it was hilarious. So that just stuck, and that was the name we took for the band. Cool. Where are you guys located? That uh, that, that This may be the first uh, time. Uh, we're in upstate New York. Okay. Uh, Saratoga Springs? Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Long Island, so. This may be the first time. Oh, uh, nice. Yep. This, this may be the first time I stepped on the question that should not be asked. <laughs> We have we have a rule on this podcast where we're not allowed to ask obvious questions, and I just stepped on the rule. What's my punishment, Bruce? I don't know. We'll let Mary decide. <laughs> I'll ask her later. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So let's talk about crazy. I think speed. Mary said. Mary, Mary actually just said, "There's no questions that you can't ask." Oh, good. Well, you know, we tried. To oh, there ask- is on the podcast, though. Yeah, we, we have try rules. not to ask that. Where did the name come from? Or, you know, those obvious ones you probably get asked a hundred billion times a year. Gotcha. All good. So, anyway, let's talk crazy Swedes. How did you guys end up with this incredible melding of genres? Was it on purpose, or did it just a happy accident of sorts? No, actually, for the most part, pretty much totally on purpose. Um, you know, all the guys in the band, including myself, I mean, you know, I kind of started the thing off. Uh, you know, it's like build your own vehicle that, you know, hey, you want to be in a band that's like X, then start that band. So I've got a big love of uh, fusion and, uh, you know, shred stuff from like, you know, 70s, 80s. And uh, wanted to kind of revisit that, man. It's like uh, I just wanted to get more into like, hey, being able to stretch out as a player and do your own thing uh compositionally as well as just you know from a playing perspective and you know the the three guys that uh are also in swedes you know they're all killer players uh the drummer actually uh george snyder is actually my brother so that was easy peasy that was you know a lot of the influences when i was younger probably you know more or less kind of came from his likes uh, musically speaking so that's how i first got exposed to some of this stuff um and uh the keyboard player who i've been playing with for a number of years he's pretty much a straight up jazz guy i mean he can play other things you know i mean but he i think keeps us maybe a little bit more uh he'll try to keep us a little more honest in so far as the schooling aspect of it and then you know i butt heads with him sometimes with just the aspect the thing that it's like hey yeah, I know that's a rule, but if it sounds good, it is good. So there's there's some of that that goes back and forth. And uh, bass players, uh, bass players, are great. 
you know, really solid bass player. He's also a classical pianist, which is kind of an interesting juxtaposition, which we don't incorporate into this, you know. Right. Little John Paul Jonesy. Yeah, very much, very much so, man. Um, and then for me, it's like, you know, uh, coming off spending, you know, a number of years as a, you know, frontman and lead vocalist of uh, Infinite Spectrum, prog metal group that uh, that I was uh, with for a while there. You know, we did a U.S. tour with Fate's Warning a few years back. Uh, um, it was great to just kind of like switch gears and not really think about things vocally and think about, oh, hey, I can get back to really just playing guitar. Um, and that's that's been just it's it's a really liberating group to play in, man, because it's while we have structure and we've written things where it's, you know, you can tell we wear our influences on our sleeve. You definitely get the homages to different musical heroes that we had. Um, there's also freedom within what we do that, you know, the improvisation stuff is different from show to show. Right. So while you'll have like, you know, hey, here's your head, here's your hooks and here's your structure so that people can relate to it. And it was important to us to have memorable melodies and not just be playing for playing sake. But, um, you know, there is that freedom to explore a little bit musically that you don't have in most other outfits, you know. So it's a, it's a cool project, man. We, we You know, every, hey, we've been doing it for six years and everybody's still into doing it. You know what I mean? So right. I guess that's a testament right there. I have a two-sided question for you. What is the best jam that you've ever had on stage, improvisational? And what was the biggest train wreck you've ever had on stage, improvisational? They may have been the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a hard one, you know. I mean, because it's it, it is interesting. I mean, I I find like the the most thrilling, you know, part of improvising is is when you are it feels like you're about to just fall right off the train tracks and then somehow the train goes right back on the track so you know yeah it's it's the tightrope moments are fun i i don't think i can pick out one specifically uh but okay dude, there's definitely moments where you're just like oh my god i can't believe i just played that that was amazing and then there's also moments where you're like oh my god i can't believe i just played that that was horrible you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, right yeah i think one of the first bands that i ever saw kind of improvise on stage was the black crows mm -hmm. and i saw them on the uh the uh southern harmony and musical companion yep. tour oh wow when they were all they were all like i mean high as a kite that whole like it was crazy they like i was like close to the stage and you could smell the weed coming off the stage you know and i, I was in canada at the time it was illegal <laughs> there it's not anymore but like it was just i was just like holy crap these guys are high but they were so good and they they did exactly what you said like they would jam and suddenly they would just train wreck and then the drummer was like well we got to get out of this you know, here we go <laughs> or someone would just like okay we're in no man's land we got to get out of this and it, it made it it added this sense of confusion and euphoria at the same time to the audience yeah that, that that i found very very cool yeah right on do you guys so like do you find that when you're improvising on stage do you find that you bring the audience through those kind of like confusion and euphoric moments when you're when you're yeah jamming? i think that if you know if you're a fan of this kind of music you know what you're getting into um and you know while we do have a one foot firmly placed in the past you know so you've got like you know some of the older cats that are like hey i remember going to dixie drag show or i remember going to uh see al Demiola, or i remember you know the whatever and then you've got, you know, some of the, the younger guys where it's like, you know, maybe more into the more jam band scene or snarky puppy, things like that. So, uh, you know, what I found is 
you do kind of have these different generational things that kind of meld here that's a little unusual. Um, and yeah, I think you do. I mean, we, we do. I think you, musically speaking, you're exploring things. And I think the audience goes on that journey with you if they're into this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes they, some people are not sure what they've gotten themselves into. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, we, we try not to be excessive about it. So, you know, that's that's why it was important to have some sort of structure, or at least you can bring things back to, you know, your memorable hel- uh, melodies and hooks. Um, and I think people respond to that, you know. Cool. Bruce? Yeah, when you guys are writing, being that everything is so different, how do, are you guys writing in the traditional sense, like all in the old jam space, bouncing ideas off each other? Or is it like a technology-based thing? You're just sending an idea to, you know, the drummer or the guitarist or the bass player? Um, it's probably a little bit more insulated, man. So it's like, yeah, it's like a lot of things like, you know, I would come up with a germ in the studio and then I'd bring it into the guys and I'd at least have some sort of form, but you know, then the drummer's got like his own groove and his play on things and the bass player and the key player are the same. Um, keyboard players also, we've worked together on this particular album, the keyboard player and I a lot, uh, both melodically and harmonically and structurally just kind of building these things. So, you know, a lot of times he'd come up with some, hey, I got this cool progression. I think this might be something. And then I'd come up with like, you know, just a totally different melody over what it is that he had, you know, come up with right. harmonically. So there's there's the, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess, it's, you know, a certain amount of things have been built in the studio. Um, and then it's like, you know, you take it in with the rest of the band and then it really kind of comes alive. It becomes a little bit something different. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, the, the whole idea of like, Oh, just sitting in a room and just jamming out until you find something. Not so much. It's probably more like everybody's kind of on their own trip and then we come in and then everybody puts their own spin on it to make it theirs, you know? And it's like, you know, I'm never going to write a drum part that's as good as what George would play and right. or what you know, bass part is Eric or whatever, you know? So it's like everybody kind of has their own pride of authorship with like what they bring to the table. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, geez, you know, I don't even know if I have the time to sit in a room and just jam out for hours to find something. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I guess we value the time that we have to do this thing. So it's just, it's not infinite. Um, so, right. you know, when we, get together you're just trying to make the time you got to get the account and technology is uh, amazing uh, that's a really that. oh my god it's like uh we wouldn't have been able to make this album without it you know technology is great when it works you know what i mean but luckily you know it worked enough to finish this you know so yeah what are the personal dynamics like in the band because you said your your brother is the drummer right and then you have all these other people around. Like when when I when you're younger, that type of dynamic can sometimes be like explosive in in a band, right? Because everyone's young and energetic and emotional, and there's all these chemicals rolling around in your body, hormones. What's it like as you get older to be in that situation? Is it a lot more calm, or do you still run into that kind of like little bit of friction here and there? Well, I think sometimes there's a little bit of friction. I think just because you know whatever people care. Or, you know, sometimes somebody might get insecure about something that they're not as up on a piece that somebody else is. So, I mean, you, you deal with that kind of uh, thing. But, no, it's like, it's interesting. You talk about the brother dynamic, and it's like, I remember when we were younger, like, playing together as, like, teenagers, you know, like, when I was a teen. And, uh, sure, you definitely get some of that going on, because there's just that whole, you're still growing and figuring, you know, your stuff out. Uh, but, you know, nowadays, it's like, 
it's like we know each other so it's you know sometimes we'll bust each other's chops i mean that's just a, a brother thing that you're gonna do but uh it's definitely a lot more calmer and uh you know you can just kind of discuss or talk through things and make it happen so there's not as much uh you know uh, butting heads that there was back in the day so yeah yeah i just remember like being young in bands and like the fights that would break out you know not necessarily physical yeah. fights but screaming matches and drummers throw drumsticks and leaving the room and whatever so like when you're in a band with your brother that's what i'm wondering like as you get older and you learn how to like be more i guess mature yeah. you know no, but totally. do, do those things change because you know like you look at like the gallagher brothers from oasis they're never they could never be in a room together they got to be what they got to be older than us yeah no i know that, that is crazy but I, I guess that's just part of maturity part of being secure with like what it is you do and who you are and uh you know i i, I think really the root of it i mean that's really what it's all about yeah so you know in this band i feel like everybody that's doing it is doing it for, kind of for the same reasons it's because like hey this is a cool thing we don't really have an outlet to do this thing that we love to do it's like you're playing in other groups but you know you're playing it like maybe like i don't know 30 40 percent of your capabilities because you spent all this time trying to master an instrument and you know you don't have that outlet so i guess that's kind of how this thing came about but you know we everybody's got the kind of respect for each other you know both personally as well as musically cool um, so yeah it's just it's it's, it's a cool group man this is the band i wanted to be in when i was 17 you know well, there you go. And now you got it. Exactly. Took long enough. Are you taking this? <laughs> this is your midlife crisis. <laughs> Are you taking this on the road? Uh, we will see. I mean, if we do anything with this, it's like you know, right now we're doing a lot of promo work on the new record. Uh, we've been doing. We did a couple like a pre-release show recently. We've got another show probably coming up in October. Uh, we're just trying to set sights on, you know, next year and seeing if we can kind of pair that with maybe a like-minded instrumental group, but you know, it'll be, it, it'll probably be a short run. Um, we're already working on material potentially for the next record. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, it's not a one and done for us, you know? So like I said, it took us this long to kind of do this project when we kind of got more of like, oh, you know what, the shows are going well, this feels good, let's write some more material, and it's like, hey, let's get it down. COVID derailed us, obviously, right. but, uh, you know, I know, I know, nobody wants to say it anymore, but it was one of those things where it's like we had done, you know, drums, bass, and then basic guitar and, and uh, keys, and uh, then sat on it for a while because COVID happened, and then it was just like, hey, keyboard player and I decided, like, why don't we just start working on this stuff? So it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I think if we had actually like done everything more as a live document, um, I don't think it would serve the songs as well. Right. And I think that we kind of got into, I wanted to produce things a little bit more than, than a live doc document, but not be too slick. But I think what you hear is kind of like, it's a happy medium. It's in between, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm glad that we did it that way. It's like it's interesting. It's like one of the songs on the on the record that was my least favorite songs to play live, like became my favorite song on the record because it's like I was able to work out like these horn arrangements and I had a trumpet player friend come over and he laid down some solos for us and it just it, it kind of created a whole new vibe and a new arrangement, you know. So happy accidents that you find like that. Surprisingly, and this does surprise me, we hear this from a lot of musicians where they say 
COVID actually was a good thing for me because it gave me time to do what I wanted to do with the record yep. instead of being forced to pound it out. Now, I don't think they think COVID was a good thing. It, I don't think they think it was good that it demolished the industry or economies or sure, whatever. Sure. But emotionally and artistically, it was a good thing for them at that time. And it, it that surprises me to hear that because we do hear it a lot from people. Interesting. It, it makes sense, though. It makes sense because it's just like you're cooped up at home and, you know, there's only so many creative outlets that, you know, so it, it gives you that time to focus. And on you can really hone you your craft. Yeah, totally. Totally, man. Which, you know, was I guess that is kind of like the silver lining in the uh, in the dark cloud, you know? Right. Yeah. In the in the illness of the word that shall never be spoken. <laughs> so I, I think, and I've said this before on the show, and Chris will vouch for me, but I think at the end of this, now that we're at the end of this whole nonsense, we're going to see like a cultural revolution, not just in music, but in art, in everything, because everybody has been locked away dealing with this shit, trying to get their emotions out and honing their craft, and now it's time to let it loose, and there's going to be an explosion of stuff. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I don't disagree with you, man. You know what I mean? Just because having that time to really focus on your craft that you never would have had before. You right. know what I mean? So it'll be, I think art, I think artistically it's going to explode quickly, but from a technological point of view, I think it's going to be about a decade before we see the fruits of the technological evolution that happened because of this, because how many kids were at home that suddenly had nothing to do. Yeah. And how many of those kids sat down at a computer and said, well, I'm going to learn to code because it's part of my class and now i'm getting excited about it and i i can't go play with my friends so what am i gonna do yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do all this stuff i think technologically it's gonna be pretty crazy in the next interesting decade. we shall see yeah. yep we shall see that runs me to the end of my question <laughs> got anything else i do not all righty well thanks for having me guys really appreciate it and be well good yeah. chat cheers all right you bye. too take care yeah. Bye-bye. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.